Welcome to the Patricia King Podcast. We are going to build the kingdom of God in this hour. Jesus is sitting on the cloud. I believe that we are in the end time harvest season. But we're going to do exactly what he told us to do. We're going to disciple nations. Amen. Patricia, we just want to honor you as being a, a, a true mama bear in the faith. It's amazing just what God has done through you, what he continues to do through you. And, um, and it's just such an honor and such a blessing. And we have so many friends here. Oh, my goodness. We've got the, the Yoders, and we've got the Anderson family, and we've got the Beggs family, and we've got the Thompsons. And like, wow, I just can't believe all the people that are, that are just here to celebrate together. It's such a blessing. Um, I'm going to do something real quick. Can you just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, wow, you, you look just like Jesus. <laughs> your holiness is showing. He, Jesus looks good on you. <laughs> See, we need the right lens, you know, and Jesus is the lens. In the beginning was the word. He's preeminent above all things. And um, I just got really whacked doing that. So just give me a second. Woo! <laughs> um, well, this is just a blessing. And um, a couple of years ago, well, I don't know, those of you who don't know my story, I'll maybe just two minutes I'll share real quick. I was delivered um, from Satan worship in the occult in 2001 when I had a radical encounter with Jesus while I was attending a Christian music festival trying to convert at least 50 people to Satan. And it didn't really work out for me. Um, Jesus kind of uh, bamboozled me in a good way. And I was never the same. But see, I, I was raised in a very strict um, legalistic household. And so I, that's kind of one of the things that caused me to run the other direction. Because, you know, you kind of have two ditches, which we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. Um, and so after I had that radical encounter with Jesus, you know, I began to get discipled. Uh, pastors didn't really know what to do with me. So I got shipped off to YWAM. Thank you, Jesus, for YWAM. Amen. Uh, and and, and they, it was amazing. It was a great experience. I was in South America just serving with YWAM for a couple of years. And, um, but I had, I had a little bit of an issue, which was, I just saw the devil everywhere because see, I knew the power of darkness. I knew the, I knew the power of the demonic and, uh, and, and I didn't really, I don't know, I'd never seen an angel or anything like that. So I just saw, I still saw demons everywhere, you know? And so when I would preach at like youth groups, you know, I'd like line up the kids and I'd just go down the line and I'd just, Satan, are you in there? You know, how many demons you got? You know, cause I was just, I just had this like, unhealthy expectation that just there were just demons everywhere because that's what I knew, you know, for so many years and I knew how powerful it was. And so um, in, in uh, 2011, I kind of had a, a little bit of a burnout in ministry. I just, I was just tired of the, I saw some political stuff I didn't like and, you know, some manipulation and some stuff like that. And I was like, I don't really want a part of that. So maybe I'm just not called to ministry. And the Lord uh, brought me and my wife up to Alaska and uh, to get some R&R, &R, and, and we got locked into this little hunter's cabin for seven days on a lake in Wasilla, Alaska, and that's where I met Stephen Powell, was in Alaska, because he's from Alaska, and, um, and the Lord began to visit me, and this began to shift 
the entire course of our ministry. We started the ministry in 2007. We were going into Satanist clubs and seeing witches radically get saved. And, you know, that's just what it was all about. I wasn't really speaking in a whole lot of churches because I was still dealing with some of the legalistic stuff, you know, from my childhood. But as the Lord began to visit me when we were locked into this cabin in, in Alaska, not really locked in, but we kind of voluntarily locked ourselves in because I just, I just wanted God. I didn't want to hear anything else. I just wanted to know what God was saying. And um, the first night the Lord visited me and you know, when you're expecting a word from God and then you get it and you get offended because it's not what you were expecting. So that's what happened. And the Lord visited me in a dream and he said, you know how to preach the gospel, but you don't know me like a father to a son or a son to a father. And I was so upset. I was like, what are you talking about? I've been like, I've been in ministry for like four years already. What do you mean? I don't know you, you know? And, um, and then the Lord said something to me that shifted the whole course of the rest of the ministry. He said, you need to know that if you never go on another mission trip, if you never, uh, you know, do another supernatural training school, if you never pray for another sick person, if you never, you know, whatever the, is sought after as in ministry, he said, the way I feel about you will not change. And you see, I was stuck in so much performance so much performance-based ministry that I would burn myself out because I'm like, you know, I, I, gotta, I gotta make it happen. I gotta be as anointed as this guy. I gotta be as, I gotta, you know. And the Lord completely released me from that bondage and it really was a bondage. And so over the next seven days, he just began to visit me and reveal things to me about angels that he had assigned to me. And it was just this whole new chapter. And then I can remember at the end of the week, um, we were, we were about to go do a mission trip in a, in a First Nations village in Alaska. And the Lord said to me, when you go to this village, you are no longer to look in people's eyes and try to see the devil. You are to look in people's eyes to see Jesus, whether he's been revealed in them yet or not. And, uh, you know, in Galatians, Paul says, God was pleased, Galatians 1, to reveal his son in me, See, sometimes we have this observance gospel where it's just like, well, I pray Jesus reveals himself to you, not just to you, but in you. I mean, that's the gospel. God wants to reveal the son in us. He said, I, I want you to see Jesus being revealed in every person that you look at. And so, you know, I was like, awesome. So kind of on our first, you know, ministry event, um, I'm in there, I'm, I'm preaching on Colossians 2. Jesus is the head of principalities and powers, you know. And um, there was a witch doctor outside and decided to come, come walking in. And he walked up the aisle, and it was a cross-dressing witch doctor, actually. Uh, had these big stiletto heels on, and, you know, and he came in and he was chanting and throwing feathers all over people, you know, distracting the whole meeting. Now, now previously, I probably would have run and made a big thing out of it and started fighting the darkness and ah, you know, but, but so instead of... I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Because it's distracting the whole meeting. Everybody in there was, people were running out scared in fear. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And um, the Lord says, oh, I, want, I want you, to, I want you to, to call for five people to jump him with the love of Jesus. I'm like, excuse me, what? What do you mean jump him with the love? And uh, so I said, I, can I get five people to just surround this guy and just prophesy to him and love on him and, and, and just hear what God is saying, you know, for him so that we can see Jesus revealed in him? And it was like crickets. Like I had like 10 minutes. So I'm like, please, five people, five people. So finally five people. And um, sure enough, they all get around. They start prophesying this guy. He collapsed. 
collapses, his stiletto heel flew over there and his purse flew over there and his glasses were over here and he was just crying on the ground. And I got down and I said, sir, what's going on with you right now? <laughs> and, and he says, well, I was actually on my way home to kill myself, but I saw this Christian meeting and I decided to come and do one last spell against you Christians. I said, really? How's, how's that going for you? <laughs> and, he, and he started crying and he, he goes into the mic. I had the microphone up to his mouth and he goes, well, I know this Jesus that you preach of is real because I've never felt anything like this before. On the spot, right, gives his life to Christ, responds to the gospel, and then people start getting healed just sovereignly. Like people start yelling out, oh my gosh, my back pain just left. And people start rushing up to the front and it was like a frenzy. And I'm just standing there like, well, that was easy. I didn't even do, I didn't do anything. I mean, see, it's just like Peter in the book of Acts chapter 10, he's up there at Cornelius's house. I think it was, and he's, he's preaching. And, and in the middle of his message, the Holy Ghost is just like, I can't wait anymore. Just, just dives right in there and just starts revealing Jesus and all these people. He didn't even do an altar call. You know, and, and sometimes the Lord just loves to mess up our theology a little bit, you know, but I was so set free. And so I was addicted to just seeing Jesus revealed in people. I had another, another, um, place I was preaching in California and in the middle of the meeting, this young girl who she, she stood up and she screamed, I'm a witch. And I feel like my head's going to explode, you know, and she's distracting the whole meeting. She runs up and, and, and I just took her aside and I begin to say, you might think you're a witch, but you're going to find out in Christ who you are. Is this another identity that's more real than the witch identity? And you're about to meet Jesus. And she's like, what are you talking about? So I start sharing the gospel with her. And I see this, um, this, this vile blood sticking out of her pocket, you know, now that's not foreign to me from what I used to do way back in the day. So, you know, I said, what's that? She said, oh, that's, that's my blood. That's my rep, reptilian reptile blood or something. It, it protects me. And I said, I'm going to tell you about some blood you don't have to carry in your pocket and it'll protect you a lot better than that vial of blood that you're carrying in your pocket, you know? So by the end of the conversation, I was convinced that, that God was just going to blow this girl's mind. And I said, if you will, if you will smash that vial of blood outside on the sidewalk in front of everybody, will you do that? And will you say that Jesus is Lord? And she's like, Oh, this is so hard, but I feel like I need to do this and I don't know why. And like, you know, like, well, I know why. So we go out on the sidewalk, 300 people come out of the building onto the sidewalk to watch. And on the count of three, in the name of Jesus, we smash the vial of blood and she declares Jesus is Lord. And all of a sudden there's this lady behind me and she goes, oh, my ear just opened, you know? And I'm like, what? So I turn around and this lady has two sisters who, who say she's been deaf since birth. And when we break the vial of blood on the ground, the lady's ear pops open. And so as soon as that happened, then these other people are like, well, we want to be healed. And then they ran up. And then they, anyway, it lasted like hours. And, and, and so later on, I connected with the girl and I said, like, what did you feel? What, what, what was going on in you when, this, when all this was happening? And she says, all I have to say is I never knew God felt this way about me. Oh man, that, I want to hear that like everywhere I go for the rest of my life. I never knew that God felt this way about me. And, but you see, going on in ministry, I would see that, that there were these two ditches that people would fall into. You know, you got the straight and narrow. Christ should be our lens. We're keeping our eyes on him. He's being revealed in us. We're maturing as sons and daughters. But there's these two ditches on either side. One is called legalism. And the other one's called lawlessness. 
And I write about this in my new book, Happy Holiness. We just, it's not out yet. It'll be out soon. But we just had the privilege of being in Orlando with Patricia filming for God TV. And it's just amazing. You know, I, I pray that this sets a lot of people free. Um, and I would see people that would just kind of fall to the wayside, one side or the other. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, Because we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from all impurity of the flesh and spirit, and let us cultivate holiness in the awe of God. And so we'd always see miracles. We'd see amazing things happening, right? But this kind of stuff is without repentance. The gifts of God are without repentance. God's power is God's power, right? But I begin to have this deeper desire. Not only do I just want to see people come into the kingdom, but I want to see them with fruit that remains. I don't want to see them falling off in this ditch, falling off in that ditch. And we're all on a journey, okay? And so I, I know what that looks like. Maybe you're on a journey right now. Maybe you're watching online and you're on a journey where you're, you're in some deconstruction. Well, I would just encourage you, don't deconstruct your foundation. Don't deconstruct the cornerstone, right? But sometimes we do need a real good detox. We need a, we need a bad doctrine detox. We have a boot camp. We got three students right over there from it. It's awesome. And, and a couple other ones. So, um, but holiness, the Lord began to give me this message on, on holiness. And it's so funny because people are like, oh, the dude got tattoos, big plugs in his ears, preaching on holiness, right? And so holiness was never really, I wanted to be holy. I've always wanted to live holy, but it was never really an emphasis. I never really taught about it or talked about it. And in 2017, the Lord began to speak to me about a new reformation that's coming to the body of Christ. And um, I had this really wild encounter. You know, the last time I had had an angelic encounter was 2011. This was 2017. And I'm sitting in my room getting ready to preach that night somewhere near Charlotte, North Carolina. And all of a sudden I have this encounter. Uh, the whole room felt like concrete, like I was stuck in concrete and I was shaking. My wife came in and she normally, my wife is, she's so awesome. She's just my better half. And, you know, she's very practical. She's very, thank God for her wisdom. I don't know where I'd be. And, uh, and, but she walked in and she was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, I'm just preparing. And I started feeling that. And so I'm like, God, what is that? What are we feeling right now? And the Lord, the voice of the Lord, I heard in my spirit, he says, I'm assigning you an angel from the Brownsville revival for this next season. And I was like, and I'll be honest with you. I don't, I didn't know anything about the Brownsville revival, nothing. So I started looking it up on YouTube. I didn't really know anything about it. And so it, it turns out it was kind of known as like a, the holiness revival, like a holiness movement. You know, we've had healing revivals, holiness revivals, repentance revivals. Right now, I believe we're going to have a repentance and a kindness of God revival. Glory. Amen. He is, behold the kindness and the severity. I think he's just severely kind. Amen. But, um, and so I began researching the Brownsville revival and crazy things started happening in our ministry. I'd be preaching. People would break down right outside of the church, come in, get delivered of a bunch of stuff. Like just it, things got really intense, you know? And so I was flying to preach in Texas <laughs> and um, I'm like, God, am I crazy? Maybe, I don't know. Like maybe you didn't, maybe I just made that up even though I didn't think of it, you know? Uh, maybe I just made that up. Give me a sign that that, that really was you telling me that. And so the pilot comes over the loudspeaker, you know, I'm, I'm just getting on the plane. You remember this story? And he's like, welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Captain Steve Hill. And I'm like, <laughs> the captain's name was Steve Hill. I about fell out my seat. I was like, what in the world? Like the fear of God I was like, Whoa. <laughs> that's weird. You know, it was crazy. 
And um, anyway, so I was like, okay, well, God, whatever you want to do. And so in 2018, I had this dream and I saw these millennials and people from all generations, but especially millennials, tattoos, even having lived different lifestyles and stuff, coming in this radical, uh, ha- the only way I could describe it was happy holiness. They were, they were getting a revelation of his holiness. They were, they were loving on Jesus, but they were, they were so happy. Nothing could steal their joy. And um, at the end, you know, I have time to get into it, but there was this banner that said Church 14, and I was like, God, what is that? You know, and everybody's trying to, like, deconstruct and, like, trying to come up with more relevant terms and, like, not use the term church, and God's like, create a ministry and call it church. Like, church is going to be in the name of the ministry, Church 14. I'm like, oh, great. So um, anyway, when I woke up, the Lord gave me Acts chapter 14, and there's this crazy story in there about Paul and Barnabas at Iconium, and they're coming preaching the gospel, and the religious leaders are opposing the, the, the word of his grace is what it says that they're preaching. So they stay longer. They don't just like hightail it out the city with their tail between their legs. They stay longer focusing on the word of his grace in the face of that religious persecution. And it says signs and wonders followed. So it only intensified. And so I've kind of been running with this. I really feel strongly that the Lord has wanted to restore holiness to his church. And, you know, I'd I'd had people telling me, well, Rob, there's so many preachers like living this way and doing this and doing that. And I'm like, I don't know any. Well, sometimes it's right under your nose and you don't see it, you know, and it's crazy. But thank God for the, the, the Holy Spirit, how he reveals things like that. And so I said, okay, God, I want to know, I want to know how do I practically, how do I help people recognize these two ditches and stay out of them you know, and I can't go into all the details of it, but what I thought of is it's really strange that both legalism and lawlessness masquerade as holiness. Both of them do. Legalism, it's like a form of godliness, but denying power. And then lawlessness, it's like a form of power, but no godliness at all. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, The law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. In the Greek, that term is hyperreparisusin, and don't quote me on how to say it, because I've only been to Greece once, um, but it means to hyperabound. So if grace is hyperabounding to us, would that mean that we're held to a lower standard or, or, or a higher standard? You get what I'm saying? And so I begin to get this revelation, like in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, the law of sin and death is no more. We are under the law of the spirit of life in Christ sets us free from the law of sin and death. And I begin to get this revelation that grace under the law of the spirit of life actually holds us to a higher standard than even the Mosaic law did. Now, that doesn't mean in your own power you can attain it. It means you're along for the ride and let's unwrap it and see what this looks like. Let's live it out, amen? But see, under the Mosaic law, it's like you mess up, you go to the priest, they make an atonement for your sacrifice, but now we have no excuse. His law is written in our hearts. So it's not just, did you keep the law or not? It's, this is who you are. You can't live contrary to that. Whether it's in legalism, whether it's in lawlessness, whatever, we, we, we want to we be who we really are in Christ and grow in the understanding and in that maturation. I wrote this down. Lawlessness claims the power of the gospel, yet demonstrates no true godliness to attest to the power, to that power. But legalism, on the other hand, has a form of godliness, but no power. This is how you can discern 
the difference. And the crazy thing is, even if somebody's leaning one direction or the other, they can come off very anointed, very anointed. You know, and I've seen a lot, you know, I've been this October will be 14 years in ministry. I know that's not a lot compared to some, but I've seen a lot. And I said, God, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want to use my gifts to just show off or make sure God, I want a more accurate word of knowledge so that people are more wowed. You know, I mean, I love word of knowledge, but I don't want to pimp it. I I don't want to do that. You know, excuse me for the term, but it's true. And I felt like the Lord said, just preach your atonement, not your anointing. I was like, what? He said, don't preach how anointed you are. Just preach your atonement. Preach what Jesus has done and that he'll do the same for anybody else. Just stay focused on your atonement, not on your anointing, because your anointing will flow, but the atonement is where that power is at, right? The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Um, you know, the, God's gifts and his call, Romans eleven twenty nine. they're without repentance. I have a lot of people, and they come to me and they give me... Um, I don't remember. I think it's in, it's in it's, Stephen, you probably know this. Help me out. In Timothy, the time is coming when they will no longer listen to sound doctrine. Is it Second Timothy? First Timothy? I remember it's somewhere there. Um, for the time is coming when they will no longer listen and, res- and respond to healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to truth and believe nothing but fables. So we automatically assume this means, well, don't listen to anyone that tells you you can go live in sin. Yeah, but it goes the other way, though. It all, it, there's, it's a double-edged sword. Do you get what I'm saying? So the legalist needs to drop the dead efforts, and the lawless person needs to feel godly sorrow for their conduct that leads to repentance, Right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow leads to repentance that leads to salvation, but the, the worldly sorrow brings death. So, but take note, godly sorrow in itself is not, is not repentance. It's like the gateway to repentance, but it's deeper than that. A real metanoia, like that Greek word, like a shift in your inner man. Um, so the legalist needs to drop the dead efforts, but the lawless person needs to feel godly sorrow for their conduct and turn from wickedness. So it's kind of like this double-edged sword. Um, they both need to come to metanoia, which results in turning from wickedness. The legalist turning from their self-righteous ways and the lawless offender turning from their destructive patterns. It's like a double-edged sword. And what I thought was wild is, you know, Sometimes you'll hear people say things like, and, and you know, when you're a preacher, people tell you all these kind of things you taught that you've never taught. I'm sure that happens to any of you that in here that are in ministry. It's like, oh, you, I had this guy the other day on Facebook, you know, God bless Facebook. And he told me this whole list of things I taught that I have taught against. <laughs> and I'm like, where'd you get that idea from? You know, but it was like the story you were telling us, Patricia, where once it gets down the line, it's like a whole different thing than where it started. You know, you play that game as a kid, you tell, you whisper into there and they whisper into the other ear and they whisper into the other ear and it turns into something totally different. Um, so I hear people say, well, you don't, you don't, you believe we're totally lawless. And I'm like, no, 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 we're actually under a law. We're under a greater law. It's called the, the law of the spirit of life that sets us free from the law of sin and death. So unbeknownst to somebody who might be falling in that ditch of legalism, we are most certainly still under a law, just a better law that holds us to even a better standard. And it's a covenant with even greater promises than the other. 
the law of the spirit of life sets us free from the law of sin and death. In, in, in other words, Romans 6, 14, sin will not have dominion over you for you're not under the law, you're under grace. That's, that's even greater. Like sin has, doesn't even have dominion in you, doesn't even have authority in you. That's why we say that's not who you are. Sometimes my kids, they mess up or they fight or whatever. I say, that's not who you are. You know that, what are you doing? <laughs> then there's other times where you have to say, okay, you need to stop and you need to ask them to forgive you. That's not right, what you just did. But ultimately it's always to restore them to who they really are. And God is raising up redemptive reformers. That's what I call the subtitle of the book, The Rise of Redemptive Reformers, who carry God's heart and they never speak a word. And, and you know, we all, we all fall short, but this is one thing I said to God, I don't wanna open my mouth if what I'm saying doesn't carry the redemptive heart of the Father. Even if I'm dealing with somebody that's stuck in hardcore legalism or hardcore lawlessness or whatever, I don't wanna open my mouth. I don't wanna pull some word out of nowhere that's, you know, just trying to bring condemnation. I want to see the redemptive heart of God at work in my life and everything I say. Patricia, you've been such an amazing mentor in helping with that because I remember last year there were certain things I was gonna post or do and Patricia would say, well, maybe, maybe we could just like change like two words. And I didn't realize how those two words would make such a world of difference and make me look like a lot less of a jerk than it would have the other way. <laughs> um, <laughs> But check this out. This is so amazing. First Corinthians, uh, this is one of the last scriptures I want to give you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 30. It says this, for Jesus or Yeshua, the Messiah has become for us a couple things, the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God and the redemption of God. So it tells me something. Jesus earned it. Now we need to own it. You know what I'm saying? Jesus did it. We need to own it though. We could never purchase it. We could never make it happen, but we got to own it. This is for us. This is for our, our children and our children's children. This is who we truly are. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved because there is no other real new creation. It's only in Christ. There is no other identity for you to take on that doesn't lead to death. There, it, it doesn't exist. At one time I had somebody say, you know, you preachers are so close-minded because you say Jesus is the only way. But see, we have to change our paradigm. And that's where sometimes we need a good bad doctrine detox. But if we change our paradigm, it's not Jesus is the only way, I'm right, you're wrong, that's it. It's no, literally, if, 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 if there's a door and there's no other door, it's not close-minded, it's just there's no other door. There isn't. You can paint a door on a concrete wall and try to go through it. It's going to hurt. It's not a door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just not a door. They say, you know, well, all paths don't lead to God, but through the cross, he draws all men to himself. Jesus said in John, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So we can know that everywhere we go, people are being drawn to Jesus. He wants to reveal himself whether we're in a Chipotle or we're, you know, in South Mountain or whatever. I'm trying to learn all the places around here because we're about to move here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so how do I own it? I mean, what do I do? Like, to, see, if we, if we get into this strict formula, we can, we can go this way and we're, we're trying to own it. We're trying to make it happen. And so that verse in Timothy where it's, uh, they will you know, have these teachers who tell them what they want to hear. It could totally be that. Sometimes people want to know, well, how can I do this? How can, how can I make this happen? What formulas can I follow so I can take credit for it? You can't. You can't take credit for it. 
Jesus did it. You just own it. You unwrap the gift. You walk in it. But then it can go the other way too. It's like, just tell me I can, I can just live to satisfy my fleshy desires and God won't care, you know. But that's the, that's the other extreme with this two-edged sword. So if Jesus is our holiness, which I just read to you, 1 Corinthians 1.30, he is our holiness. He is our redemption. He's our sanctification. He's our wisdom. God is not going to, he's not going to require something of you that you can't do without him supplying it. So if Jesus is our holiness, then God has supplied our holiness in Jesus and we have to put on Christ. You get what I'm saying? We can never earn it. We can never make it happen in our own power. But he doesn't ask you to be holy without supplying your holiness. He doesn't ask you to live righteous without making you his righteousness. And and it's not just, oh, God made me righteous. No, it's more than that. He made me his very own righteousness. The best kind of righteousness in the universe. The only real kind of righteousness in the universe. Whoa. He'll say, well, we should teach more on signs and wonders. That'll follow, but I think we need to re-examine some priorities. Trust me, that will come. You preach the word of his grace, signs and wonders are going to explode. You know? Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, everything we need for life and godliness he's given us. He has provided for us everything we need for life and for godliness. And he's provided that in his son. That makes me really happy because I know that I don't have to try to to earn it. I don't have to compete. So-and-so does more miracles than me. You know, it's like, come on, really? You know, God is delivering the church from that whole Babylon experience. And I'm telling you, we're about to see a new generation composed of all different generations, by the way, of, of, of redemptive reformers that carry the heart of God that will pull people violently out of those ditches when they're falling into those ditches. And trust me, when you start carrying this message, you're going to get it. People are going to be like, oh, who do you think you are? You'll, it'll come. You know, your family, maybe some of you actually felt earlier that there was going to be people in here and people watching and you're dealing with that with your family. Like it's just this this constant like harassment where they're just getting on your case about what you preach and how you think you're holy and this and that. But you know what? God's going to soften hearts. We need to love like we've never loved before. And we can really be happy and holy without being legalistic and without being rebellious and lawless. As sons and daughters of God, I really feel like this is what the Father is saying right now. And I think it's going to help usher us into this next, you know, 500 or or 497 years of Reformation or, or whatever, you know. We're about 502 years past the Protestant Reformation. And God has just been saying so much. What is Reformation? What does that even mean? Remember, I asked the Lord, I said, what, what is, what is, because, you know, revival was the, the term, but now all of a sudden the Lord is speaking reformation too. I'm like, well, what is that? See, we, revival brings us to reformation because when we experience God doing a new thing in revival, right, then, then we need to make some changes to implement and, and host that new wine that God is pouring out, which is reformation. We need reform. 
And I felt the Lord say, when you love the lost enough to dine with them, because see, legalism has an issue with that, remember? But you're also not afraid to challenge the church where it needs to change, then you're gonna have reformation. We're not allowing our, our, our culture around us to define what God is doing. We're, allowing, we're saying, no, God, what God is doing is gonna define the culture around us. So, whoa. Maybe you've been kind of in a ditch of lawlessness and, and maybe you're watching and you feel like even putting on the Lord Jesus is like worksy, you know. But no, but it's, it's a living work. It's not a dead work, you know. Jesus did works and he said, which one are you gonna stone me for? Because they're living works from my father. They weren't dead works, See, living works should come out of us. So having metanoia, living holy, living righteous, those things are not dead works. They're living works. And I know that a lot of you in here have that revelation, but I'm talking to somebody. And so maybe you just need to take a step back and say, you know what? All right, Lord, help me discern between what's dead work and what's, you know, the law, the spirit of life working in me. Help me discern between something that, that I'm trying to earn in my own power and something that you're doing sovereignly because it's what Jesus did for me, not what I'm doing for myself. But then maybe it's on the other side of the coin and you're struggling with lawlessness or, or I'm sorry, legalism, or maybe just, you know, having trouble seeing that God really loves everybody, even if they dress this way or, 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 or like this kind of music or whatever, right? Ask the Lord to soften your heart and ask him to give you the Jesus lens, Get yourself Jesus glasses off Amazon and start practicing. Go walk around. That'll, that'll crack the case real quick. Put them on and start walking around. People will see Jesus on you no matter what, and then you're going to have to love them anyway, regardless of what they look like. <laughs> but let's just take a minute. Just close your eyes and just put your hands out like you're ready to receive a gift. <sighs> Lord, we just thank you for the gift of holiness. Jesus, we thank you that you are our holiness and Lord, we want to put that on. We want to walk in that. We want to participate in everything that you died for us to experience and live in. Lord, give us wisdom. And, and if, and if that, that spirit of lawlessness has taken us over, I just break the power of it right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I break the power of lawlessness, rebellion. Lord, and there's so much false teaching right now. Lord, I break that power. Those that have been uh, maybe just because of just social media or whatever through the pandemic, they've, they've shifted all of this and now you're not even preeminent anymore or, or they don't even, you know, we don't need to fellowship together with other believers anymore uh, or whatever it might be. Father, I break the power of that, that, that lawless spirit that, and, and legalism, Father, if we're struggling with judgment, with false judgment, Lord, if we're struggling with how big your grace and your mercy can, can truly be or truly is, if we're struggling with just how redemptive the heart of God is, Father, help us. Help us right now. Reveal Jesus in us in a fresh way. Come on, just ask Jesus to reveal himself in you right now in, in a fresh way, in a deeper way, in a greater way. You are one with him right now. And if you're watching the stream or in the building and you've never responded to Jesus, take a minute right now and do, the, do what I just said. Okay, Jesus, I don't know about all this, but reveal yourself in me. 
reveal yourself in me. You know, when I did that as a devil worshiper, oh my gosh, everything shifted. I began to, all this stuff began to come out of my mouth. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live like this. I don't want this. I was confused in my gender identity. I was an alcoholic. I was all this and it all came out and I just said, Jesus, I believe in you. And I hated the name of Jesus. For years, I, I despised that name. And all of a sudden, it was the sweetest thing that had ever touched my tongue. And, and if you did respond, we want to hear from you. Comment right on the video. You can email us, info at church14.com. I want to hear from you. But I believe the church is being delivered. We're coming into a season of cream and butter. And I'm telling you, this COVID thing has brought everything low. The mountain's low. And we're about to see an explosion of God's glory and redemptive reformers are gonna rise up that are not ashamed to carry a message of holiness because legalism's not attached to it. Lawlessness is not attached to it. We wanna just, we want everything Jesus died and rose again for us to have. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Patricia delights in resourcing you and prays for your increase in every blessing of the Lord. May today's message impact you greatly and draw you closer to God's heart and purposes for your life. For more information about other Patricia King resources, events, and partnership, connect with her on patriciaking.com. Also, follow her on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and iTunes podcast.